Welcome to the Transformation Podcast. My name is Chris Sanchez and I'm joined by Darren Davis, Senior Leader and Pastor here at the Harbor Church. Darren, in today's episode, we talk to Kyle Whitmire. Now, Kyle is himself, every time you see him, he is very authentic, he's always true to himself, he's a lover of the Lord, and I think the stories that he shares in this testimony that we're going to hear shines through in that way. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I like this one because I think it, it showed the life of a, of a young man who really has a lot of gifts and there's a significant calling over his life. And being raised in the Deep South in, in cultural Christianity, yet not really having a, a deeper, intimate, real relationship with Jesus, I, I just loved listening in on his journey that started out and continues to this day, you know, of ups and downs, but yet God's starting something in his heart that he actually promised to finish and is is still at work even to this very moment. So I think for all those that are out there that have gone through the the highs and the lows and wondered, hey, is God still with me? This is going to be an encouraging podcast for for those listening ears. It's It's very powerful. So Chris, we invite these friends to listen in again on another profound testimony of a life transformed. Are we live? We're live, man. We're live. We're live. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. I guess we can just start like right at the beginning. I always like to hear the origin of when people heard the name Jesus for the first time. Mm-hmm. Kind of talk about, if you can, that moment when you first heard of his name. <laughs> okay. Well, I grew up in South Carolina, so <laughs> the Bible Belt. Oh, there you go. So yeah. I heard Jesus, you know, right out the cradle. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? You just... You don't not hear about Jesus, and all my family is Southern Baptist, so I've always kind of always just grown up hearing about Jesus. So I think for me, maybe this is maybe more the question you're looking for for me, because I mean I come from like a religious Christian culture, sure, you know, in, in like the heart of the South. So the first time for me that I think I heard him, right, or I, you're looking for like the encounter, right? Like the first time I heard him. Clearly, I wasn't even saved, actually. I was... In so you the, grew up, to jump in, you grew up yeah. Southern Baptist, but it was a while before you even were saved. I w- if I were to affiliate myself with a denomination, I would have articulated Southern Baptist. I don't... I, I wasn't living as a Christian by any means, and I really had no interest. It was my religious duty as a Southern, you know, as a good old Southern boy to, you know, believe in Jesus. But I had no idea what that meant. I had no concept of what salvation was. Kingdom was completely off the map for me. I had no idea what any of that was. So if you had asked me as a child, who is God, you know, like I would have said Jesus, but that's because of the family context I grew in. But I want to stress that I wasn't raised as a Christian. My family was Christian but my mother was not because my dad passed away when I was five 
for her, that was a catalyst to walk away from God. You know, she asked the question that everybody asks when they lose someone in a traumatic event. She, you know, why would a good God allow something like this to happen? Mm. And so that's actually why I wasn't raised explicitly as a Christian, even though I was raised around Christians. So the first time that I can remember really hearing the Holy Spirit speak to me, I was 18 and I was in a really unhealthy relationship and I was going to a First Baptist church in my hometown. And I just remember being in this service and I remember just surveying kind of the the worship. I'm not dogging on people that aren't charismatic, but I just remember sitting in this church service, not a Christian, would not necessarily explicitly claim to be a Christian, although I would you know, say that Jesus is God, but that wasn't like a statement of faith. I remember standing in there and their worship is going on and everyone on stage is very formal. The atmosphere is very stuffy. And I just remember all of a sudden, and I'm not a Christian. And I know, I'm pretty sure I know I'm not a Christian, but I just remember something rushing onto me and I just got my whole body chill bumps all over. And I heard in my mind this phrase, there's more, there's more than this. And six to eight months later, I gave my life to Jesus legitimately. Uh, I encountered the father in a way that radically changed my life. But prior to that, you know, I can look and see now I wouldn't have known at the time. I remember having those chill bumps and, and having that thought there's more than this, but I didn't know what that was. I wouldn't have, I certainly would not have said that that was the Holy Spirit at that time. But looking back on it, I can see God pursuing me, calling my name, like trying to get me to draw near to him. So that was probably the first time that I feel like I really like heard the Holy Spirit. Was there someone there kind of to guide you? Did you go to somebody when you heard that? What what did you do with that information? I dismissed it. (laughs) I just was like, all right, well, that was a weird experience. Uh, there wasn't there wasn't much to it. It made sense later. The moment that I gave my life to Jesus, I was still in that same unhealthy relationship in the midst of being a teenager. I was now 19, so I had turned 19. And my best friend that I grew up with, his name is Justin. He has always been fairly serious in his faith and went to like this big Pentecostal mega church in Greenville, South Carolina, where we're from. And he was, he was always, prior to me becoming a Christian, he's always trying to get me to come hang out with all these, these dudes that were all Christians. And I knew what they were about, and I knew that they were Christians, and, and I was like, nah, dude, I'm good. I'm not trying to come hang out with you guys like me, and you can hang out. And I would bring him with me to parties, and he, would, he wouldn't like drink or anything like that, but he'd be there, being that influence in my life. But he's always constantly inviting me. And so finally I was like, all right, I'm going to come hang out with you guys. And I got in this room with these dudes and they're not even talking about Jesus. And I, I don't know what it was, man, but something came over me and I knew, I knew that they had Jesus in a way that I'd never seen people have Jesus. I'd never seen people carry the Holy Spirit the way that, that I saw these guys. And they weren't even talking about this conversation was not about Jesus. And I interrupted the whole thing and I got down on my knees and I was like, I, guys, I'm not leaving this room until I have what you have. And I know that it's Jesus. Everyone like starts just praying. It turns into a prayer meeting, right? One guy's praying in tongues. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. But I didn't care. I didn't care that I was something that seemed bizarre and unfamiliar to me was even happening. 
because I knew that I wanted Jesus and I didn't care what it looked like or what it sounded like. I knew in that moment that something had been removed and I was able to see and perceive something that I had previously not been able to. I was like very aware of my need for Jesus and I wasn't going to walk away from that moment without him. So you have that experience mm. and you still have to go and you have to leave that room and you have to leave those group of men. Yeah. And so what was that like going back to family, going back to your regular, yeah. how did that change? Yeah. Yeah. So I, now I've had this encounter. So I go from being fairly rebellious. I wasn't crazy. I wasn't into hard drugs or anything like that, but pretty rebellious dude. And, just kind of did what I wanted to do. And I was still in this unhealthy relationship and my mom's not a believer. So I'm, I'm on this one way opposite end of the spectrum of like, I'm rebellious. My mom is a single mother raising me, you know, I'm in my, in my late teens now and she really has not a whole lot of control over me. And now all of a sudden I'm a Christian with like these life changing experiences, which is also on the other end of the spectrum. Like if she's in the middle before I was on like the left, now I'm on the far right. So I just went from one extreme in her eyes from one extreme to another. So my mom actually, as I progressed weeks and months into this faith, my mom actually thought that I was in a cult. Um, really? Yeah. Not that <laughs> we've had arguments about this over the years. She's, she's like denied saying that to me. And I I remember it clearly. I remember my whole family being concerned with me because I didn't I didn't like give my life to to being a Southern Baptist. I gave my life to like a fairly radical, tangible experience that continued after I got saved. And so my whole family is like raising eyebrows, right? What is Kyle getting into? These weird Pentecostal people he's hanging out mm -hmm. with and the church yeah. that I started going to was in, it was a massive, massive worldwide influence. It was called Redemption World Outreach Center. Ron Carpenter was a pastor, very well known. They've been on TBN and God TV and all the, you know what I mean? But in Greenville, in Greenville, South Carolina, that church was seen as almost cultish because it wasn't Southern Baptist or Methodist. It didn't fit the culture of the South. And so my family kind of thought that I had gone off in a weird track. So here I am months down the road, about a month down the road from that original experience. And I'm having these encounters with God. I didn't grow up as a Christian, so I didn't have any theological background. I didn't have anybody telling me what God could or couldn't do. I just automatically, I gave my life to Jesus and automatically believed that he could speak to me, that he could do miracles mm. because I hadn't had anybody tell me he couldn't. So I believed that stuff and I actually expected it. Not because anybody was telling me I needed to expect it. It's just, I think we all have that bad theology or where we come from, our backgrounds, people try to suggest that, or even our experiences suggest that God does or doesn't do something. But I just had kind of a clean slate when I gave my life to Jesus. So yeah. I expected to hear his voice. So I'm, I'm in this first month. Isn't that beautiful? You have no structure. You have no guidelines of how it's supposed to look. Yeah, It's truly authentic. It's raw. This is just me and you. Right. You know, a lot of people don't have that experience, especially when they start off. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree. Yeah, I was I was super fortunate, you know. So, I guess the part that I'm going to tell you what what it was like to to now transition back into life after, you know, that that initial encounter. So, I'm dating this girl, we'll call her Amanda. Sure. For the sake of for the sake of protecting her and all that, but Okay. So, I'm dating this girl named Amanda and 
I'm in this unhealthy relationship and I know it's unhealthy and I'm having the Holy Spirit speaking to me like, Kyle, this is not your wife. This is not who I have for you. And it's like this dialogue over the course of a month with God. And how long have you guys been together, you and Amanda? Uh, we had been together probably at this time, six months. Okay. So it got pretty unhealthy pretty quick. And I'm hearing this now. We're we're approaching our seventh month of being together, and, and I'm hearing the Holy Spirit clearly. Like, this is not the one for you. This is not the one for you. But I'm like, I'm trying to reason with God over the course of this first month of being a Christian. Like, no, God, I can fix this. I can make this whole relationship about you. I can turn this around. And he's like, no, you can't. So we go to church one day. Amanda and I go to church, and we get out of church, and she's riding beside me. And in the passenger seat, and we're driving down this back country road in South Carolina, and this car comes flying up behind me, passes me, and then gets in front of me and slows down. <laughs> what was the point of that? Right. right. Well, this car has got this big bumper sticker with bold red letters, only one bumper sticker, and it says on it, Dump Amanda. I think I'm losing my mind, right? What? She sees it too, though. And she's like, oh my God, look at that sign. Look at that bumper sticker. It says, dump Amanda. Are you going to dump me? And I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? And I was like, no, no, I'm not going to dump you. And so I like held off for like a week. I was confronted with the reality that God was not only speaking to me, you know, in my thoughts or However, but now he's so committed to getting me out of this relationship because he wants all of me that he's giving me physical signs. Dump Amanda on a bumper sticker. And incredible. she saw it too. So it wasn't yeah, just yeah. me. So needless to say, about a month after I broke up with her. And that's really, that that, first, that was like my first real true act of obedience, mm. kind of dying to myself and really my relationship with God really, for me personally, it took off. Wow. So you have that experience. I mean, that's just movie stuff you know what yeah I mean? it was wild so you had that experience you're from south carolina you end up down here in south florida talk about that journey how the heck did you end up down here yeah that's wild too so i'm just no holds bar here man i'll just tell you how it is and i, I think that's probably what people want to hear so yeah my friend justin and i the one the same justin that helped lead me to jesus and got me to that room of guys we are we're involved in ministry in different contexts, different capacities in South Carolina. And I'm about a year, maybe a year and a half now into walking with Jesus, still really figuring out identity, all that stuff, really trying to figure out boundaries and things like that. And still a young man, you know, 19, actually, no, at this time I'm like 21. So about a year and a half down the road into this experience and Justin and I uh, just stupid just start acting stupid and like get involved with like girls from church like sending inappropriate messages and stuff like that it the word gets out that we've just been like conducting ourselves in a, in a manner that is like really inappropriate and so justin uh, loses his job with the church over it it turns out being a big deal and i was volunteering and so i'm in trouble also i don't have anything to lose in terms of a position and on top of that, we had this, this will sound hilarious, but we had a Facebook ministry also called The Weekly Word. And it was this, we would literally send out, it had a couple thousand members in it, and we would just send out weekly devotionals to every single member of the group. And so we would go around town and, and we'd walk into restaurants and stuff, and people would just know us as those ministry guys. And 
you know, it was, I mean, you go walk into Panera Bread for lunch and somebody's like, you're Kyle, you're that guy that does the weekly word, right? Like as a young 21 year old guy, you're in ministry and then you have what a lot of people would define as like a moral failure. I mean, they treat you the same that like a fallen pastor would be treated. You've made these mistakes and you shouldn't be in ministry anymore. Well, they obviously they found this stuff out about Justin and I. And so that was kind of our catalyst for Florida. We had a friend who lived in West Palm Beach. And so we knew what West Palm was and we knew what Palm Beach Atlantic University was because we had been down to West Palm to visit our buddy. And so Justin was like, man, I'm going to go to Palm Beach Atlantic. I'm going to start life over. I'm going to get a fresh start on everything. And so he, I'm, I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, good luck. And so he applies and he gets accepted and he's like, bro, I'm going. I got to go. He's like, and I, I, we're brothers, man. I want you to come. And I was like, no way. Absolutely not. You know, I, I have zero desire to go to South Florida, much less like West Palm beach. And he's like, pray. He challenges me, pray about it. All right. So I get away, I get alone. We worked for the YMCA at the time. And so we had a staff retreat to the mountains. And so I promised him on that staff retreat to the mountains where there's no computer, no cell phone reception or anything that I would fast and pray and about coming to West Palm Beach. And so that's what I did. I fasted all day long. I prayed. I was in the word all day long. God, do you want me to go to West Palm Beach? Do you want me to go to West Palm Beach? And so I'm in the word all day reading consecutively in like Romans, right? And I'm getting like all the way through Romans and it's like five o'clock in the afternoon. I haven't had a meal. I've been praying all day. I'm kind of exhausted, honestly, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And I'm laying in this bunk on this bunk bed in this cabin by myself because everybody else is, you know, doing training and stuff like that. I just like skip the training. And I, I open my Bible just like not to Romans. I open it to the last chapter randomly, last chapter of Deuteronomy. And I start reading is talking about the death of Moses. Wow, this is boring. So I like shut it and I'm just laying there and I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, Kyle, I want you to open it back up to that chapter. And I'm like having to dig through, right? I'm like, what was that? What was that? And I like find it again, Deuteronomy 39. I start reading about the death of Moses and it's God takes Moses on top of Mount Nebo and shows him the promised land, Jericho. And in the translation that I was using, not every translation says this, but the translation I was using is describing Jericho and all the, all the vegetation, the river, all the, all the stuff surrounding Jericho. And it says in brackets, it says Jericho, the city of palm trees. And all day long, I've been crying out and asking God, do you want me to go to West Palm Beach, Florida? And so I took that. At first, you're like, wait, let me rationalize that. Palm tree, Bible, like I could find a palm tree verse anywhere. But the fact that I randomly opened it to that, closed it because I got bored with it and felt the Holy Spirit nudge me to go back to it. And there it is in brackets, the city of palm trees. I took that as like, okay, move to West Palm Beach. So that's that's how I ended up here. Do you feel in your relationship, I guess because, you know, one of the best things about this love that we pursue is your love path is different than mine. Like God speaks to you differently than he speaks to me. Do you feel like in the way he reaches out to you to get your attention, he uses physical, hey, here's a bumper sticker. Hey, Mm. this is a verse that mentions palms, Palm Beach, you know. Is that the way you kind of feel like that's your talk with him? Yeah, I think God is, I can look back on my, on the last 11 years that I've been a Christian and I can look and see that, you know, God is, he speaks to me 
you know, a lot of times he'll speak to me with like physical things. Like he'll show me something like a sign on a bumper sticker or a tangible like Bible verse or yeah, yeah I, I could think of other stories where he's spoken in similar sure. manner to me. Yeah. Okay. So now you're in West Palm, mm. right? Yeah. Here's a Southern boy from South Carolina <laughs> down in West Palm. Yeah. Here to take the world. And then what happens when you're there? Culture shock. <laughs> South Florida was eye opening. In all honesty, God led me down there. And then my first five months, Justin and I just like lost our minds. We were like, man, this is crazy. We love this. We were like partying a lot. And we were playing college lacrosse for Palm Beach Atlantic University. And one of our teammates actually came to us. Kind of had like a harsh talk to us. He's like, I want to talk to you guys. And he's like, you guys have like started to create a reputation for yourselves as like these party dudes that get around and he's like, but I know you guys and I know that you have a heart for God. So you need to figure it out. He's like, you need to, you need to get it together. And that was like eye opening for us. Cause I mean, we it were, has to be right. You left West, you left South Carolina to yeah, restart. Totally. Yeah. Right. And then we get down here and just totally derail. And so he gave us this talk and, and he was just, it just kind of smacked us right between the eyes. We were like, whoa, we, we strongly feel like God brought us down here. And then we were going to come down here and start making more mistakes. So I was in, enrolled that, that fall, I was enrolled in PBA, Palm Beach Atlantic University. And I was playing lacrosse for them for fall ball, which is not the main lacrosse season. It's kind of like an extracurricular season. And so I'm approaching the spring semester of 2011 and I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to drop out. And I'm like, what? I finally got to go to college and I'm finally playing college lacrosse. I thought none of, I did, I wrote all that stuff off when I was younger, when I was when I graduated high school, I didn't think that I would go to college, much less that I would play college lacrosse. And here I was doing these things, but acting like an idiot. And I hear the Holy Spirit, I want you to leave school. And if I, and I feel like he's saying, if I want you to go back to school, make a way for you to go back. And so I unenrolled from all the upcoming classes that I had. And that was that. Wow. And so I'm working at Chick-fil-A like three days a week. And the rest of the time, I'm just wandering, literally wandering around the city of West Palm Beach. All right, it's time to get real. Like, so I start praying like, God, I know you brought me here for revival. I know you brought me here to see a movement of some sort happen. So I just wander the streets of downtown because like, we live downtown West Palm. So I just wander the streets of downtown. Just God send revival. God send revival to West Palm Beach. And in making myself available to the streets I don't say that in like a, like a slang term. Like I wasn't like hanging out in the ghetto, you know, right, right. but just literally being in the streets and walking between the buildings and the businesses, God started bringing encounters to me with people. He started like introducing me to different people that needed prayer or people, you know, whatever that needed healing or different, different things. So that's, I really started seeing a lot of that happening in my time away from PBA. It's gotta be surreal because you make this move. You're there at PBA to restart, mm -hmm. and then six, what'd you say, into the next semester. Now I'm going to pull away from that as well. Yeah. You know, it's it seems like it's a constant shedding. Right. For things that you have around you, it's just been shedding after shedding. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's always gone down to the core of just you and God. You're literally roaming the streets, mm -hmm. being like, it's just me and you. Yeah. Like the way it started, right? It's just right. me and you. Yeah. You know, what do I have to do next? Mm -hmm. So it's got to be, was that probably 
the most trying time you would say in your walk because it's no, no, (laughs) no, I had some lower lows than that. That was actually a really great time. I, I caught such a vision for the city of West Palm beach in those months where I wasn't going to school. Dude, I would sit in my living room that looked out over the skyline of West Palm Beach and I would like cry, not because I was sad, but because God was releasing his heart to me for the city and for the region. And I would like cry over West Palm. And I asked God, I remember, dude, I remember this. I remember saying, God, I want to prophesy. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how I'm even supposed to do that. I asked God, I was like, would you allow me to prophesy? And I remember getting this overwhelming feeling. And I just started, I literally just started making declarations over the city of West Palm beach. And so it was this time for me of him actually getting me back. Right. Like you said, like back to the first things, right. Back to the basics. Like he was actually getting my heart back and then showing me why he brought me to West Palm. Cause remember like in my story, it was the city of palm trees. So for me, it's the city of West Palm beach. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily Palm Beach Atlantic University like he brought me here for the city I think it it was it was trying at first right like I'm gonna walk away from college and friends and everything once he got in it it was super rewarding so yeah. then after did you end up going back to PBA or yeah I did I did so I I just kind of put PBA and college on the back burner and I just I just prayed and I was just all right God you said if you want me in school you'll make a way And so I'm just going to trust that. I actually didn't have an option to go back to PBA. It turned out my mom ended up going back to school to become a nurse. In doing so, she had to take out her own student loans to go back to school and become a nurse. And so she had like maxed out on loans in a way that she wasn't allowed to co-sign for me. And I didn't have money, and now I don't have a co-signer either. So I couldn't go back if I wanted to go back. And through this season of just being in relationship with him and just stewarding what I really think he really truly brought me down here to do, he introduces me to a billionaire, um, this lady who's literally a billionaire, and I won't say her name, I want to keep that private, but she loves Jesus. She She's just all in, very charismatic, very prophetic, and endless resources. I developed this friendship with her, me and all my friends, actually, my whole group of friends, we become very close with her, but she becomes like a mother to us. I mean, she's having us over to her house several nights a week for Bible study, for prayer, for hangouts and feeding us and just, you know what I mean? Like giving the world to us. And she comes to me one day and she's like, Kyle, I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to send you to school. Absolutely not. Like you've given us so much. There's no way I'm going to take your money. I'm not going to let you send me to school. And she's like, well, you don't really have a whole lot of say in it because I feel like the Holy Spirit told me to do it. And so you need to let me be obedient. And it was actually a moment where I had to humble myself because Mm -hmm. here I am five, six months or so prior to that saying, all right, God, if you want me in school, you'll have to put me in school. I don't have a way. And then he makes a way and then I try to deny the way. So I actually had to be like, okay, I actually prayed for this to accept someone's money, like thousands of dollars for your tuition is humbling. This is, yeah, it's humbling and it's heavy. And so I accepted her money and I allowed her to pay my tuition at PBA for two full years. I mean, just full on. She paid for it and that's what got me back into school actually. So pretty wild, man. Pretty wild encounter. Mm-hmm. Never, I mean, that wasn't a mind. That can't be. You know, you can't, you can't 
prior to moving to Florida, you you couldn't make this kind of stuff up. Like if you had told the 20 year old Kyle that he was, when he turned 21, he was going to move to Florida. He was going to see revival in, in West Palm beach and that he was going to meet a billionaire who was going to send him to school. He would have laughed at you crazy. So, I mean, it's, it's wild to see how the journey of faith plays out. You get back into PBA. How did you end up here at the Harbor? Oh, well, this is the low part, man. Oh, uh, this is the low part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like my, my life is kind of marked by like doing some really great stuff and then really falling. Which is kind of sucks um, <laughs> now that you think about it. But it's it's to see the way that God redeems it every single time is beautiful. Right. So I'm in PBA, 2011-2012, play lacrosse. I go back to school. I'm, I'm really working hard because I want to honor this woman's investment in me. So I'm really studying hard. I'm getting like A's and B's, which is not characteristic of me. I'm usually like a, a D or an F type of guy, you know, to get A's and B's. Like I'm busting it. And playing college lacrosse and everything's great. And I start working for a church. I get immediately involved in their high school ministry and in their college ministry. I'm leading Bible studies. I'm leading small groups. I'm discipling guys younger than me. Ministry, 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 ministry. And I'm doing that from 2011 all the way to 2013. And in 2012, one night, I I don't know how or why, I got to this low place. I was burned out, man. Really burned out. And I decide... Because you're involved in so much So stuff. much ministry. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the whole first the first love thing was just far from me. I, at this point, it's become about ministry and not about Jesus. And I'm so burned out. And I decide, like, I had gotten an argument with one of my buddies. And I was just... I was heated. And I was like, I'm going to take a run to the beach. And so I run to the beach. I take this run to the beach. I'm I'm mad and feeling very like selfish. And, you know, when you're in that place, the enemy already wants to tempt you anyway. And so, I mean, this is super real and vulnerable with you, but I feel like people should hear this. I This girl starts texting me that I knew. And she's like, what are you doing? And I, and I knew it wasn't good. I knew it was a bad decision. But she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm at the beach. And she's like, I want to hang out with you. And I'm like, well, come meet me then. And I'm mad, super burned out. Jesus, my first love is definitely not the priority on my heart at this point. And so this girl shows up at the beach and we just end up making super bad decisions, you know. And the repercussions of that were, I mean, intense. And so... um she ends up telling me a couple months later that she's pregnant. I was this guy that was in ministry and I was this dude that was supposed to lead people to Jesus. And I'm, and I'm doing all this stuff in ministry and, and dude, it was just so empty. None of it had Jesus in it. And I don't want to say none of it, you know, I mean, God can still speak through anything, but on my end, I was empty. I, I, the last thing on my heart was, time in the secret place or proximity to Jesus and his presence. It was just about performing and striving religiously at that point. And on top of that, I didn't mention this, but I was going to PBA for ministry. So on top of doing a bunch of ministry, I'm studying ministry, all ministry, man. Like <laughs> you get, that's the fast track to getting burned out. And I hope you hear me ministry students because <laughs> you got to find time for Jesus. So here I am with this girl who I'm not in a relationship with and I don't love. And I have no intentions of being with, and she's pregnant. 
and insisting that it's my child. And I just have this really strong feeling that it's not my kid. And the details of that are unnecessary, but I, I just, I had this really strong feeling it wasn't mine, but I had no other option than to assume that it was mine because I wanted to do right. If I am going to have a kid, I'm going to be a man about it and it's going to be my kid and I'm going to raise him. And so I'm taking this girl to doctor's appointments and the, the doctor's like giving us, oh, you should be X amount of weeks pregnant. And I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, no, that's off. The dates are off. You know, I had like all this evidence that was suggesting that it wasn't my kid, but what am I supposed to do? I mean, she's insisting it's my kid and, and I want to be an honorable man. I want to step up to the plate and own this mistake. And so I, I told my whole community, I told my pastors, I told leaders, I told friends, everybody knew it wasn't a secret. I put it out there, man. I wanted help. I wanted to be surrounded by a community. And what's crazy is the church didn't fire me. (laughs) They kept me on staff. (laughs) which was probably the most unhealthy thing looking back because then I felt like uh, you can keep doing ministry anyway. Unlike what happened back in South Carolina. Yeah, unlike that, yeah. And so five months into this thing, uh, she calls me one night at like 1 a.m. I'm asleep, you know, and she calls. She keeps calling over and over and over. Finally, I answer, and I'm like, what's up? I can't wait till the morning. And she's like, Kyle, I've been lying to you what do you mean lying to me? And she's like, you're not the father. Like, I know you're not the father. You knew you weren't the father. You even told me that you didn't think you were. And she's like, I'm sorry. I've been lying to you. I was ashamed of who really is the father. And in that moment, you know, you feel like the weight of the world is lifted off of you. And I, at first there was this temptation to be like, are you freaking serious? I just wanted to like chew her out. What happened in that moment was like so supernatural. I just became like, no, 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 no. She has just been super vulnerable with me. And the last thing she needs is for me to like cuss her out and tell her she's worthless and all. That would be the worst thing I could do. And so I don't know how, but I got control over myself quick. You know what? Like I forgive you and that's okay. And I was like, and I want you to know, like I want to be uninvolved with this situation. And I understand that you're walking relatively alone without a lot of support. And I want you to know that if you absolutely need me, I'll be there for you, but I really want to be uninvolved now. And so she, from there, you know, that was her life. She ended up contacting the real father and, you know, they had the kid and that's great. And here I am in this place and I'm like, God, what is it that you want me to do next? I have a clean slate again. And I'm praying and I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to drop out of school again. And I also want you to quit the church and you're going to know, I'm going to confirm this to you. You're going to know that you're supposed to leave because there's going to be this enticing thing that tries to get you to stay where you're at. And regardless of the offer on the table, I want you to walk away from it. And so a week goes by and I hadn't, I hadn't actually quit anything yet, um, but about a week goes by or so. And my boss comes to me, the boss of the church, Kyle, he's like, great news, man. We're going to promote you. I want you to be the full-time college minister. I want you to go spend your days going from college campus to college campus in South Florida, doing Bible studies with people, praying with them, whatever. He's like, create the creativity to do whatever you want. It's yours. You can have it. He's like, and we're going to give you a raise. We're going to put you on on staff full-time so you can stop working because, dude, I was working like three jobs at the time just trying to make ends meet. He's like, we're going to pay you enough that you can stop doing all these other jobs. And at first I'm like, yeah, absolutely. This is what I want to do in life. 
and it hits me like a ton of bricks. Oh, wait a minute. This is that thing. The Holy Spirit told me, I want you to walk away from all this. And there's going to be something that tries to pull you to stay no matter what. And so I look at him, dude, I'm really sorry, but I can't accept this offer. He's like, stop joking. I'm serious. The Holy Spirit, I feel so confident. The Holy Spirit told me I have to quit the church and he couldn't believe it. And so I quit the church. I quit school and I caused this massive uproar. I, everyone that's in my life that I look to as a leader or a mentor or that I have accountability with, they're like, you have been completely derailed. You are like not walking with the, with the Lord right now. And I'm just like alone, like, man, that was hard. And everyone doesn't like me. Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to do? And I'd always known what the harbor was because I followed this worship leader named Rick Pino. And I knew years prior, 2011, Rick Pino had come and done a worship night at some church in Fort Lauderdale. And I, so I knew that the harbor was there, but I'd never gone because it was too far. It was like 45 minutes from West Palm without traffic. And I hear the Holy Spirit say to me in this moment, God, I just gave everything up again. What do you want another me to do? Another shedding. Yeah, another shedding. I hear him say, I want you to go to harbor and I want you to introduce yourself to the pastor. So that next Sunday, that's what I did. I drove down to the harbor and Darren was speaking and he came he ended his message and he's like, he like floated across the aisles. Like he like came right up to me and he would have passed by had I not said anything. Darren, Darren, dude, come here. And he's like, Oh, Hey, Hey, what's up, man? And I'm like, word vomit. I'm like, dude, Holy spirit brought me here. I don't know why I'm here, but here I am. Like I'm here, you know? <laughs> and he's like, Oh yeah, cool. He's like, that's awesome, man. Where are you from? He's like very brief connect. I tell him about me and he's like, Oh, well, I want you to meet our young adults, pastor Grant thinking in my mind, oh, he's just going to pass me off. I'm fit into the box of young adults. Talk to this guy, Grant. And so Grant comes walking up with his South African accent, you know, yeah, and he's yeah. like, what's up, man? And the whole time I'm thinking, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm really not trying to connect <laughs> with you. Like the, like the Lord told me to come talk to this Darren guy. But I didn't realize through connecting with Grant and Darren that like Darren was going to schedule like a time to like hear my story and hang out with me. And so that's what he did. I hang out with Darren. I get an appointment with him. I drive all the way down here on, on one of the days that I wasn't working and I just like spill my guts to Darren. This is who I am. This is what I believe I'm in Florida for. These are the mistakes I've made. Here I am. And man, I really think God wants me here because I'm supposed to get mentored by somebody. And I think it's you. <laughs> and Darren's just like, um, he didn't say no, but he was like, man, he's like, I really think you should check out our school of ministry. Because at the time, Harbor had a school of ministry very similar to like Bethel or IHOP. And I'm thinking, no, I just left a <laughs> university where I was studying ministry. I don't need more ministry. Right. Don't you get this, Darren? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're supposed to mentor me, man, yeah. you know? And he's like, man, he's like, I really think you should be involved in the school ministry. And so I, I think about it. I pray about it. I don't know, but I'm going to do it anyway. So me and a couple of buddies get involved in the school ministry. And it turns out it was exactly what I needed because it wasn't just Darren mentoring me. It was Darren, Julie, Grant, Tanya Brasington, Louise Simmons, who is now at Bethel, all these prophetic voices. You had apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Yeah. Uh, Sam was one of them. All these different people with all these different gifts and different anointings pouring into us on a weekly basis, way more than just like getting discipled by one guy, having all the gifts pouring into you weekly. Right, right, right. So that's like, that's how I ended up here. Wow, man. Yeah, it was wild. 
you had a transformation. I mean, it seems like you've had multiple. There's been sheddings mm. on your life where God's broken it down to it's just you and him. Yeah. And he uses different ways to speak to you, whether it was a bumper sticker, someone reaching out to you, someone giving you a gift. You've had this journey and this transformation. So how has that transformation affected now where you are, the people around you? How have you been able to take that, those experiences, and it's been able to influence the people who you've come into contact with? I think what I've seen is that God is like totally willing to use me in a lot of different capacities, regardless of my performance. And that's not cheapening grace. That's not me saying that you can sin and God's just going to keep using you anyway. Because there's definitely like seasons of being minorly effective and seasons of being majorly effective as it relates to like influence and people receiving. I guess right now, maybe the biggest thing, the fruit that I'm seeing in my life is you know, the dream to speak at Harbor, like that's yeah. been a dream of mine since 2013 and and getting, you know, really more in, in Harbor, West Palm Beach. It seems like God is really commissioning me and sending me into the, into the dreams of my heart now. Uh, we've got a ministry called The Collective in West Palm, and it's like a weekly young adults gathering. Speaking at that, I guess we're asking about influence and where am I seeing my influence now? It's in the corporate setting, but it's also still in like the individuals just randomly right. living that lifestyle of being available to hearing the Holy Spirit. The homeless guy on the street or like the parking attendant that's, you know, charging yeah. you to park or where, wherever it is, whatever it looks like. That's the stuff I desire personally. Me being in the secret place and me being connected to the Father when I walk out of my door, the stuff just, the opportunities, like I don't have to look for them. They just kind of present themselves and I just walk naturally into them. Sometimes that's actually cooler than speaking is just getting to like meet the people one-on-one. -on -one. Although like speaking is like a major dream of my heart. Like I want to travel the world and preach. But that's where I'm seeing influence right now is in, in those spaces with the one-on-one -on -one encounters with strangers that I'll probably never see again. And then like finally feeling like after this long time of being released into public speaking and communicating the gospel. I can't thank you enough, man, for doing this. It's been great to hear your path. And I know people who will hear this, it's going to help them in their path as well. So I want to say thanks. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Transformation Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.